It is the Shutdown Inning Podcast. We are back for episode 12. Steven Risotto here with Tyler Hall. Tyler, how are you doing? How was your week? Hey, hey, everybody. Uh, doing pretty well for those that listened last week. I had a, you know, a little work trip this week, and uh, despite Steven trying to jinx me, my baggage made it with me to both to my destination and on the way home. So no lost luggage, so that was well. Uh, threw a nice, uh, mostly my wife, but we threw a nice uh, surprise 70th birthday party for my mother-in-law last night that went well. She was legitimately surprised. So thank you to everyone that kept the secret. But uh, yeah, it was a great time. How about you? What, what are you up to this week, man? It was good. I mean, happy, obviously, belated birthday to your mother-in-law. That's great. Um, yeah, this week was, you know, I'm I'm still off of, for those that don't know, I go to San Francisco State, and this has been the longest break of my winter break of my life i feel like it's never ending i need to do some i need to go back to school because i'm getting yeah, stir I mean, crazy yeah i mean i had to remind steven that yesterday was uh yeah or on fr- he thought friday was saturday he's just stuck in saturday mode right now <laughs> yeah i i went all day on friday thinking that it was saturday um and it, it's my days are mixed up but i can't i need to get back next week i have a lot of things going on so i'm excited about that got a few days circled nice to where I actually will be productive. So I am nice. pumped about that. I saw in your trip that you uh, you did, because we talked uh, when our last podcast was over, you mentioned that you were going to try and go see Frank Sinatra's grave. You ended up going. Yeah. That's saw, pretty cool. Yeah, saw the, the chairman of the board, had to go pay my respects. You know, I'm a big uh, Frank fan. I grew up, my dad would play his stuff around the house all the time. So it's kind of kind of cool to to see. Uh, Sonny Bono's also in the same uh, cemetery, so we we had the time to kill. So we said, "What's up to Sonny too?" But you know, the main reason we went over there was to to see Frank. So that was you know pretty cool to pay the respects. We left a a dime on his headstone because he said he always carried a dollar in dimes in case he ever needed to make a phone call. So we left him a dime so he could make a call. That's 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 great. And my uh, my grandpa, we always leave quarters at his at his site burial site in uh, South San Francisco because he would always ask anybody got any quarters. <laughs> so we, we every time we go, we leave quarters. And he's a, about a hundred yards away from Joe DiMaggio, the Yankee nice. Clipper. Uh, and his is like one of the big like um, structures, and mm-hmm. they have like his bats, not his bats, but baseball he- bats on there, hats, gloves. Yeah, uh, people leave stuff for him mm-hmm. yeah so yeah someone cool. had left like a little mini like airplane bottle of jack daniels for frank because he was obviously a big jack daniels <laughs> fan and so uh yeah that was cool it was nice to kind of wrap up the trip with something you know of personal interest and not just a work trip but yeah so glad to be home though and uh you know as we mentioned last week we're even a week closer to spring training now to actually mm-hmm. having baseball to talk about not just moves so that'll be fun yep and obviously the NFL is happening right now too. Uh, everybody's rooting for the 49ers and kind of our neck of the woods. But once football is over, baseball, that's that's kind of baseball's time to shine. I know basketball is still yeah. happening too, but spring training, I mean, yeah, I pitchers mean, and catchers reporting, it's great. Yeah, I mean, Super Bowl is February 12th. So, I mean, usually right around Valentine's Day is when pitchers and catchers have to report. So it's literally going to be – a to use a football pun, you know, it's literally going to be a handoff to baseball season right after football's over. And even more literal, the Super Bowl's in Arizona. Very <laughs> so if wow. we're talking Cactus League, you know, there, there's the, a little at, bit of that. At the end of the Super Bowl, they should like have a passing of the guard from Roger Goodell to uh 
to Manfred. Rob Manfred at the 50 <laughs> yeah. yard line after they hand out the Lombardi trophy. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much I want the commissioners involved in something like yeah. that, but um whatever. Yeah, there's been some baseball news. I know we we jotted down. This is probably going to be a shorter episode uh compared to the other ones because not a lot has happened, but we did see a trade go down. Um the uh the Marlins actually acquired Luis Arias, who is uh from the Minnesota Twins. Uh, for those that don't know, Rias mainly played first base and second base, I believe, last year with the Twins, and he's a big contact hitter. Um, and the he, AL batting champ. That's right. I, I knew I was leaving something off. He's a unbelievable bat to bat to ball guy. Um, had a 130 OPS last year. Was the batting champ. Won a Silver Slugger. Um, and he's going to Miami to play second base. Um, the, uh, the, uh, twins are getting Pablo Lopez and a few prospects. I mean, was there any reaction to something like this, this trade happening in the middle of uh, January? Yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew Lopez was going to probably get moved at some point. I was surprised that he was the one with prospects attached to him and not the other way around. I feel like the twins really won that deal. Uh, cause arise, he doesn't really do, I mean, he's a batting champion, so he's going to get on base, but he doesn't really do much besides that. His defense is a little suspect. He doesn't really hit for a lot of power. He doesn't really have speed. So he's kind of like a one dimensional guy. Um, and so, you know, I, when I saw it was arise and Lopez, I was like, okay, I wonder who's going with arise <laughs> to, to Miami. And, you know, I think that one of the prospects with Lopez was, was it a top, like, was it like the Marlins fifth? It was like fifth or sixth. Yeah. yeah fifth or sixth highly rated prospect. So I, I was like, wow, the twins, you know, the twins have had a solid last couple of weeks by bringing Correa back and now getting Lopez, um, Lopez and, you know, another, you know, a little bit of reinforcements on the farm. Um, the Marlins are, yeah, it's always hard to kind of figure out what the Marlins are doing. And I, I honestly don't know what, they saw in this trade but that was my reaction uh i couldn't believe that they got more than that they got fleeced a hundred percent they got fleeced and like i know lopez has kind of struggled with health the past couple years but you know and also the marlins have like historically the last few years they've had kind of a wealth of young pitching that they've been kind of lucky with but it's been like unsustainable young pitching like the only one that's kind of stayed and has been somewhat consistent is Alcantara I know there was a point where Trevor Richards or Rogers I think Trevor Rogers Rogers. Trevor Richards yeah Rogers was like third in rookie of the year voting and I think he struggled with inconsistency and health Pablo Lopez has struggled with you know health uh you know a lot of people think that this trade should have happened maybe a few years ago uh, but I do think it was a bit of a, I don't know what the Marlins are doing either because like this move is going to put Arias at second base and Jazz Chisholm Jr., their really electric young player, he's going to be moved to center field. Um, and then they, they're they potentially in agreement with uh, Yuli Gurriel on a contract. He's going to play first. So I was reading a tweet and it was funny because they said that you're going to have a first baseman play second in Arias. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a second baseman play short and Joey Wendell at short and a second baseman playing third with uh, Gene Segura at third and then a second baseman playing center field with Chisholm and center. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah. Like I said, you know, Marlins getting to Marlins, I guess, because they're just like, whatever, we'll get these guys and we'll just 
put a glove on him and put him, you know, get him where you can fit in, I guess. And, uh, you know, to be honest, I think the move to, I know we'll, we'll get into position changes a little bit, mm-hmm. but, you know, I think, uh, you know, jazz moving to center kind of hurts his value. I think a lot of his, you know, bat and everything, it was because, you know, as a second baseman that was above average, but he's also been hurt a lot. So maybe moving to the outfield will keep him a little, you know, fresher. Um, mm-hmm. We'll see. But um, yeah, if you could get a guy to buy into something like this, like that's the bottom line for me. I think yeah, I mean, he's he, athletic enough to do it. Yeah. I mean, he seems bought in. I think he already said that he's going to start working in center field now and he plans on winning a gold glove there. So, you know, I hope he stays healthy. He's a fun guy. He's fun to watch and he's mm-hmm. entertaining. He's, you know, as I think as a baseball fan, he's someone who should be entertained and, and hope can stay on the field. Um. But yeah, the Marlins as a whole, I mean, they they did to kind of quickly tap into another subject we had, you know, they did sign Johnny Cueto as well. And I think, you know, as far as, uh, you know, a player being made for a city, I feel like just Cueto in Miami just makes so much sense on so many levels. And so, you know, I'm a, I'm a Cueto fan. I think a lot, you know, I don't know many people that don't like Johnny Cueto. Um, and so, you know, it's cool that he's, you know, still going. He had a really solid year for the White Sox last year. And so at least, you know, I guess he's replacing Lopez in in a sense down in Miami. Yeah, I thought that, uh, you know, Cueto was a good fit for a lot of teams. I'm shocked that it kind of took him this long to get signed, but Miami's a great place for him. You know, it's a pitcher's park. He could, you know, he, he you're right. He did pitch really well last year for the White Sox and, he was kind of their savior in a lot of ways when Lucas Giolito kind of was giving up earned runs left and right. You know, they had Dylan Cease who was going to, you know, do really well and did really well. But Cueto was kind of like the stapler uh, to keep the uh, the paper still. I don't know if that's a good analogy for that White Sox bullpen because they're just so unhealthy just as a team last year. And for yeah. them to rely on Cueto was big. But like the Marlins are just so good with, the Latin culture down there that they've built. They've put an emphasis on it. Uh, a lot of their fans that go to the games are of the Latin descent and they connect. They, they, they honestly do an unbelievable job at building a roster that looks like the city. Uh, and I remember hearing Derek Jeter mention that uh, not just on the field, but I think the way they build the front office is similar to that and bringing in diversity and uh, you know, different, different people into their organization. Uh, and, We've yet to see Kim Ang kind of make that big move uh, as GM. I know the Marlins have not been competitive um, enough to maybe where they could spend more money. Um, But, you know, it'd it'd be interesting to see how this works. But, no, I'm a big fan of Cueto. He's just a finesse guy. And I know we mentioned very slightly guys that could pitch for a long time. And, like, him pitching into his 40s would not surprise me at all because he keeps hitters off balance. I think he could do it for sure. I mean, he could shimmy as long as he wants. Uh, you know, I think, you know, he's not all, you know, I think he he knows how to pitch. He kind of, you know, as we talked about a little a few, little while ago, but he, you know, he knows the art of pitching. He knows it's not just I'm going to throw as hard as I can and get it past you. And those, if you want to pitch for a long time, you know, for the most part, you know, you have your like Nolan Ryans and your Justin Verlander's throwing gas into their 40s. But for the most part, those guys that pitch, you know, up there in age, it's because they know how to, you know, keep a hitter on their toes and how to, you know, just work sometimes even just adding new little slivers to to their arsenal of what they can do to throw a a hitter off. And, you know, 
it's funny because like Cueto's kind of remind he's kind of like the pitcher's version of McCutcheon for me. I feel like he's mm-hmm. always having fun out there. He looks like he's enjoying playing. So, you know, if, as long as he's having fun and he can, you know, put up some decent numbers, I hope he can stick around for a long time. And he makes us laugh. Like non-pitching Johnny Cueto is like equally as great. Like we see the instant, like if he, when he, whenever he retires and decides that like it's, it's enough for him, we're not going to see the last of him. Like we all no. follow him on social media. We all see him riding the horses. And uh, he, during uh, when they introduced him, he walked down from center field with uh, music playing in the background, walked on the mound with the Dominican Republic flag on his back, started dancing on the mound. Yeah. I mean, and the media is just sitting there waiting for him to like come and chat with them. Johnny Cueto is just an amazing personality. Oh, yeah. uh, do you remember when he posted the picture of just like his dead horse just lying there? I think he ended up <laughs> deleting it. But yeah. it was like, oh, Johnny Cueto's horse died, but he posted a picture of it. And he cooks like he seems to be like a really good cook in the Dominican Republic. So yeah, he had I mean, just everything about him. <laughs> he's got, I think he had a version of it. I'm, I'm guessing he has multiples, but I know like in the Dominican, he has like basically a van that's all speakers. <laughs> And so he'll like just like post videos of that, just blasting music. And I think that's what was playing music. He had a very similar type of setup that was playing the music at uh, at the Marlins Stadium when he was walking in with the Dominican flag. And so yeah, he's just a fun guy. You know, he's a little quirky, which is always something I enjoy. And so and for the yeah. most part, like he's gonna stay healthy. Like he he missed the time with the Tommy John, but like. Other than that, I can't think of a time like in besides when he hurt himself in the uh, the division series in 2012, which Reds fans always turn to in that series against the Giants. Yeah. Um, like, I can't think of a time where he's ever like struggled with health. Like he's yeah. always he's so durable and he pitched like about 160 innings last year. And for today's standards, that's really good, especially for a guy that came up mid year or, you know, maybe close to mid-year so can't wait to see his impact in miami (laughs) yeah you know as johnny cueto is known to say bueno bueno yeah of course (laughs) um and uh we we mentioned jazz moving to the outfield uh and it got us thinking about like other major position changes um in baseball and you know this is this is difficult because like there's a lot of the subtle ones where it's like a guy moving from shortstop to second base that's kind of like a natural progression, maybe a, a third baseman moving across the diamond. The first, you know, Tyler and I have talked about Raphael Devers uh, in, in that context before, but can you think of any like solid, like major position player changes in terms of positions like that? Cause this is a major one Chisholm to the outfield after only playing the infield. Yeah. I mean, the, one that I first remember was uh, Craig Biggio moving from catcher to second base. Um, you know, one of the first games I actually remember like going to the ballpark for it was the early nineties. And I had an older cousin who was maybe five or six years older than me. And he was, you know, we we're going to, it was a giants Astros game. And he was like, Oh, their catcher Craig Biggio is supposed to be really good. <laughs> and so like, I, I saw Biggio catch and, you know, I think they made a great call. Obviously he ended up having a hall of fame career, but, who knows how his career goes and how his body holds up if he stays behind the dish, move him out to second, and he ends up having a 3,000-hit Hall of Fame career. And so uh, that's one that jumps out to me. Um, you know, like you said, a lot, there's a lot of short stops moving to third and whatnot. I, I think another one you could talk about is, like, Rick Ankeel, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, he was, wasn't able to uh, figure it out on the mound, so he played outfield for a while. Um 
What about you? What any any that jump out? Uh-oh, he's reaching for the bookshelf. What's <laughs> what are we going with? You, you dropped Rick and Keel, so I had to. Oh, oh okay. shoot, it's getting lost in the Golden Gate Bridge, but darn it, no, okay. <laughs> but the Rick and Keel, there it is. There we go. The phenomenon. Phenomenon. Um, I got something on here for everybody. Uh, okay. yeah, no, Rick and Keel. I'll go with the reverse Rick and or the the Rick and Keel of the late teens, early twenties. Babe Ruth made the change from pitcher <laughs> to the outfield. That's the one that I was teasing you with before, but um. Like that, that's probably the most famous one in terms of impact. Like Babe Ruth was one of the best pitchers in baseball history up until him being moved to uh, the outfield. Um, But I also think like, you know, Gary Sheffield, he's another one that just popped into my mind. I know he came up as a shortstop, was drafted as a shortstop. Played a little Uh, third even, I think. Yeah, played a little third, ended up sticking in right field and left field. Um but, you know, from time to time, you do see, like, outfielders come in and play first base. Uh, I know, like, at the end of Matt Holiday's career, the Yankees were trying to do something along those lines, which was weird. Uh, yeah. But I think Jeter, we were saying, I think Jeter and A-Rod, uh, Jeter never changed positions. You could argue maybe he should have. But A-Rod was in his prime when he moved to third base. And that was, like, such a big deal um, because he was still a very good defender. Uh, and him moving to third instead of Jeter was a little bit interesting, but Jeter, of course, was the captain. It's the captain team. of the Yankees, yeah. Yeah, couldn't you couldn't move him? Um, so yeah, that's another one. And and there's another one that I thought of. I remember when Freddie Freeman got hurt with the Braves, and they were thinking of having him come back as a third baseman. Just think about that, <laughs> Freddie Freeman as a third baseman. Wow. I think he only played a few games there, but. It's fun to look at. I mean, we were talking about Pujols. He he's a guy that played in different positions. So um, yeah, he came up as like a third baseman outfielder. Mm-hmm. You know, you got uh, Cabrera's changed positions a little mm-hmm. bit. Obviously, Ripken did that kind of standard shortstop to third move. Yeah, uh, but um, uh, in infield to outfield is one that you don't normally see like that often. Like Trey Turner did it for I think one season in Washington. But D. Gordon made the move, and he kind of fell off, to be honest, fell off the face of the earth. He's now kind of a role player. Um, yeah, because, you know, usually the the moves are because you're getting old and you can't cover as much ground. So moving to the outfield mm-hmm. would be kind of, you know, opposite of that logic. So, yeah, you don't, you don't see it too often. Yeah. And also, you know, I, I think it's just a little less common nowadays in general just because some guys you just know can play three or four positions. So with – a guy goes out to center field for a couple games that, you know, normally plays short or second or whatever. It's not really that big of news. Uh, you know, C- C- Cody Bellinger kind of comes to mind where, you know, sometimes that's a good one play first and then he's playing like gold glove center field the next day. It's like, okay, that's a great example. Bellinger Bellinger is the one that I wasn't thinking of came up as a first baseman and then became an elite outfielder. That's a great yeah. example. Bellinger out there. Um, I was thinking Dodgers too, because I realized that like you you're not gonna be able to move like your Mike Mustakas's and you know Max Muncie's to second base anymore because it's like a different position now than what it was even a few months ago with the shift yeah. uh being kind of regulated. Uh, I don't want to say banned because we're still gonna see guys move over a few steps or whatnot, but yeah, regulated. Uh, but you can't sneak anybody through there anymore, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they're gonna have to just stick at first base and not move a lot if that's you know their 
their profile. Yeah. But I guess catchers is like the common one. Like you mentioned, BGO. Um, one guy I talked to on RizzoCast, uh, Miles Schroeder was a minor leaguer with the Giants. And I was looking at like his defense and like where he's played. And he's got like a hundred innings at hundreds of innings at first, hundreds of innings at second, 300 innings at short, 300 innings at third, 300 and left, 300 and right, 300 behind the plate. And he never moved off catching through that entire time. So just think about like when you're in the minor leagues and like you're a catcher, you either stick at the position or you move off of it. And like this guy like moved off, but then came back, moved off, came back. And you just don't see it nowadays. So yeah, I believe wasn't uh Kenley Jansen uh a catcher originally. They moved him mm-hmm. to pitcher. That's worked out pretty well for him. Yeah, I'd say uh, so. Bill um not Billy, uh crap, what's his name? Uh the pitcher for the Dodgers, former reliever, uh Chris Hatcher was also uh, a uh catcher. I believe he even made it to the big leagues as a catcher with the Marlins. We're seeing that more often too. Like with the amount of like technology these guys have, like the transition, the pitching, like the one guy, the giants just signed uh, Ronald Guzman working out as a pitcher. So, yeah. I mean, then you got Pablo Sandoval. He came up as a catcher (laughs) and it is a pitcher as well. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, obviously these guys are all very gifted, talented athletes. So when they move, it's not completely shocking, but you know, especially at the big league level, being able to, you know, play multiple positions at a big league level or make a switch after you've played a position for almost your whole life is pretty impressive. Yeah. Have you seen the video of Don Mattingly playing third base? uh, I have, but it's been a long time. There's like a little slow roller and he barehanded it and it looked weird because he's throwing like opposite. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, that that's a, when are we going to see a left-handed catcher? That's an interesting one. Yeah, it's not not very common. Um, I think yeah. it used to happen like in the dead ball era, but uh, we have not seen it regularly. I think only in like an emergency instance have we seen it since like the eighties or seventies. But yeah, um, I mean, what would be the uh, like? I guess throwing to third would be easier. No, harder. I don't know. I'd have to look I mean, into it. It really all depends if a uh, righty or a lefty's hitting. Yeah. I guess that's true. And they don't make too many left handed catching gloves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably be pretty rough. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, um, we thought that would be a fun subject to kind of toggle toggle a little bit. And if you have any other like position changes, let us know. Go uh tag us and uh reply to this uh podcast. And we might have forgotten a lot of people. I know we have, but um a fun topic, nonetheless. Uh, Aroldis Chapman is back in baseball, um, and he has signed a, a one-year deal with the. <laughs> I don't have. To... I almost said Marlins. With, with the Kansas City Royals. With the Kansas City Royals, uh, a one-year deal, and uh, I mean a guy that still throws hard. Uh, he's again another guy that's struggled with off-the-field stuff recently. He left mm. the Yankees during their postseason run. Uh, he didn't show up to a workout, and they didn't see him since. And because um, I think he was left off the roster, if I'm not mistaken, and he just didn't show up the rest of the way. Um, but I mean, yeah, Royals obviously not in a competitive mo- uh, mode right now. But Aroldis Chapman, he's been a wh- he's been around for a while. He's kind of that like first premier flamethrower of that era. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, he was kind of the first guy that would throw, you know, triple digits like consistently to where it wasn't like, you know, headlines on like sports center that this guy was throwing a hundred every night. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I, I think, you know, he's had some off the field issues previous to this last postseason, and he kind of, you know, found his way back in after I, uh, I'm a little surprised he got a deal because, you know, trust in the clubhouse is usually a big thing. And if he's going to start no showing on a playoff team, what's he going to do on a, well, on any team really, but a team that's maybe not going to be as competitive. So, you know, hopefully, you know, for his sake, he can go in and earn the trust of his teammates. Uh, like you said, you know, I think it's kind of a, a low risk, high reward potentially mm-hmm. for the Royals because they're not, you know, him going AWOL isn't going to derail their season because their, their season may never be on the rails anyway. <laughs> um, and, you know, but if he stays healthy, uh, you know, it's one of those one year probably prove it deals. So they could, you know, flip him at the deadline and get a nice prospect or something to help kind of build towards their future potentially. Yeah, so. that's a good point. And, and just to clarify, uh, he was being they were debating whether they wanted to carry him on the roster. Uh, and then for he made the, the decision for them. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so he basically made the decision for them. But I mean, he's gone through, he's a very controversial figure and, you know, he's, he's gone through some domestic violence allegations and, uh, but no, he was, yeah, he was the guy that I always thought would be like, oh, he's going to be a hall of famer, uh, one day and, um, never really happened. I mean, I remember him, like when I think of him, I think of him with the Chicago Cubs, you know, pitching to Rajay Davis in game seven of the, uh, he's 34 years old. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I think it's it wouldn't be a stretch to see Kansas city, maybe um, ship them off at the deadline. I mean, last season, I'm looking at it now, 33 games, a 4.46 ERA. Uh, he finished 19 games and uh, really he finished 19 games, but he only got nine saves. So that tells you that he didn't close out a lot of close games. More than half yeah. of the games that he closed were not um, save situations. So that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, it just sucks when you see a guy who has like all the potential in the world kind of derail his own, you know, career to an extent where it's not going to end up anywhere near where a lot of people thought it would be. Yeah, still striking out over, oh my God, his strikeout per nine during his career is crazy. 14.7 through his career. (laughs) Um, And uh, last year was a career low with 10.7. and he was also walking a career high at 6.9 walks per nine innings. Uh, so that's not good either. Uh, and his career high for a season, I have to look at this because I'm intrigued for strikeouts per nine, was 17.7 in 54 innings in 2014 with the Reds. That is 17 nuts. guys per nine. <laughs> Basically two strikeouts an inning almost. That is absurd. That's like Farhan Zaidi. Like we always see him get guys, like get young relievers and bring them into the Giants organization. We look and why is he bringing this guy in? Then they have like a 15 Ks per nine and double A. This guy's yeah. doing it in the American League Central uh, with a lot of hitters parks there. Um, but yeah, Chapman going to Kansas City. Um yeah, I mean, not a, yeah. not a lot happening in baseball. Yeah, I mean, that's about all the excitement we had this week. Um, I mean, I guess we could talk about Duvall for a second. Adam Duvall is going to, um, I know Fam's going to the Mets. Duvall is going to the uh, where's he going to the to the Red Sox. 
to the Red Sox. That's right. That's so, a good place yeah. for him. Got yeah, a short he could do some, Yeah, he could do some damage over the monster for sure. Um, you know, former former Giant for those of uh, for those Giants fans that are are listening. So, you know, it'll be a, hopefully a good situation for him. The Red Sox, like we've talked about on, on a few episodes, are just kind of an interesting team. Like, what are they? Do are they trying to win? Are they trying mm-hmm. to just kind of? coast for a little while and figure out what their future identity is it's kind of hard to tell and so you know Duvall's a guy they can throw out there he'll probably platoon I would imagine if he's playing every day for you it's probably not a good thing I uh, saw no somewhere offense, that their but... shortstop is going to be Kike Hernandez oh man so I mean and speaking of position changes Duvall is another great example because with the Giants organization, Duvall was primarily a third baseman in the minor leagues, played some yeah. first two. And like he was he was heavier than what he is now. And then I think he he got a lot stronger, lost a little weight, and just became a gold glove outfielder with the Reds, which was kind of an interesting transition. But um yeah, Adam Duvall and then Tommy Pham, who we know from the slap uh yeah. of Jock Peterson going to the Mets and uh, the Mets really never spent that money that was supposed to go to Correa. Not yeah. that they needed Correa or needed to spend uh, well, more I mean, money. Yeah. The, I mean, you could argue they didn't have need to spend more money on Correa already because they were already setting records for payroll. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, I mean, fam to the Mets, you know, I think he's a good fourth outfielder to have, you know, I don't think he, or even if he's an everyday outfielder for you, if you have some other anchors in the lineup where you're not depending on him to be a top like three or four hitter in your lineup, which the Mets won't be, you know, with guys like uh, Alonzo and and Lindor and, and and Nimmo. So, you know, where he's not carrying a brunt of the load, I think he could be a solid kind of under the radar move for them. And, you know, you know, he'll run, he'll keep the fantasy football league in line for the team as well exactly no no like stale presence on the ir um <laughs> yeah, during the no course stashing of the year. no stashing at all or else you're gonna get slapped and the fact that apparently that was a few years in the making like it boiled or was it a few years that in the he's making, still or? yeah i think so yeah that he like was still that upset about <laughs> about jock stashing guys on on the injured list or injured reserve in football terms. I can't wait for the regular season. And we're going to be talking like less about this stuff and agreeing the terms with blah, blah, blah. And more about like, Oh, well there's a bench clearing fight yesterday between the, uh, the Red Sox and the giants and Tommy <laughs> fan went after Jock Peterson again. Yeah. That's going to be so fun during the season when we uh, have a little bit more. No, I, I, I think what's fun with the balanced schedule too, to kind of, that narrative is you know every team plays every team this year so if there's guys that don't like each other where it used to be like oh well you know they're in the nl west the other guys in the you know al central they'll play each other like every three years who knows if they'll even be on those teams when that Mm -hmm. happens you know now you you know what it's going to be one ballpark or another you're going to end up playing everybody so you know it'll be uh you know kind of interesting to see how some of those you know, matchups can develop and have little other storylines, like you said, that we get to talk about instead of talking about, you know, uh, over the hill relief pitcher get, signing with the Royals. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I think it's funny because this is the most balanced schedule that we've ever had. Uh, yeah. And I think they took away what two series from each park. Um, well, yeah, so division. it used to be like three, 
Yeah, within your division, you had three home and three away series with each team, and now it's two. So you yeah. essentially that frees up, you know, eight series a year. And if I'm not mistaken, they put a lot of they put at least two of them in September, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you're gonna yeah. So like, if you're a Giants or Dodgers fan, like I think they play in like May, and then they don't play again until like early September. Yeah, and the Giants go to San Diego once. All year, because once all year, because oh, because of Mexico, Mexico City. City, Mexico City. So that's gonna be an, that. I could Mexico City game is gonna be interesting because the altitude is very right. high in Mexico City, and the balls are gonna be flying. Um, yeah. and yeah, I think it's major even league higher baseball. than it's even higher. Oh yeah, they're gonna they're gonna make sure the live baseballs are on for that series. Um, you know, I think that's even higher than Coors Field um the the elevation mm-hmm. in mexico city so yeah you know they're gonna you know the, the humidifier will probably be broken the tightly wound baseballs will be in play and uh we'll probably end up seeing a lot of home runs in that series for sure i wonder how uh, far of a flight that is from i guess maybe san diego i mean probably three hours maybe i'm i'm not looking I mean, at a map at all but um I'll give you some time, but I also think the balanced schedule is going to help, you know, cause I know you are a big proponent of, uh, travel. Like you, you go on the road to watch the giants and that that's a big thing for you. I know you were in Minnesota last year. So, yeah. I mean, you're going to get to see a lot more cities with this new schedule. Yeah. It's awesome. You know, uh, I, I try to go with a buddy of mine. We try to go to a new ballpark to watch the giants play every year, go somewhere we've never been. And so knowing that pretty much every other year, they're going to have a chance to play every, you know, in each stadium. So it'll really make it easy to hopefully, you know, check them all off. Uh, Minnesota was the, the halfway mark for me last year. I've seen 15 teams play a home game in major league baseball. And so this year uh, the plan is to go to Toronto. Uh, so to get some international presence on my, uh, on my stadiums list. And um, so, yeah, so that'll be cool. And so, yeah, you know, some of these, you know, eventually this year i'm not going to mexico city but hopefully one of these you know off the beaten path you know one-off series locations would be really fun to see too um but it's a feel the dreams game that would be cool yeah that would be awesome um yeah it's a five hour and 40 minute flight from san diego to mexico city so it's probably about six and a half seven hours from san francisco um because, you know, Mexico City is not really near the border. It's kind of in the middle of Mexico up in the mountains. So it, it is it is a little bit of a flight where, you know, some people are like, oh, that's going to be like a home game for the Padres. And I think, you know, technically on the schedule it is. Um, but, you know, it's not like either team is very close by to Mexico City. Yeah. And the 49ers played there this year. And I think that's a, a lot of red. That, yeah. That, yeah, that's a funny, funny thing that the Giants are going to play there, too. And. Um, I remember Greg Papa, who's the uh, radio play-by-play voice of the Niners, was saying that the altitude was killing them, and the altitude was killing a lot of people there. And um, you know, hopefully, it's not too bad; it's not too unbearable. But the, al- the um, altitude will just be killing ERAs for Major League Baseball. <laughs> yeah, and, and I like mentioned like very uh, quickly there about Major League Baseball maybe putting new baseballs in for that series because, <laughs> like, I mean, did did you see that chart? that was posted about like the um the normal baseballs and then like all-star game it spiked up 
with like yeah. the and then it was like homer derby spiked up and was, then postseason spiked up <laughs> it yeah like, it was like you know this kind of independent study someone did where they were able to get balls that were in play in different ballparks or different series throughout the year you know and like, the dreams some, game <laughs> yeah fielded you know and sometimes just like prime time like sunday night baseball you know red Sox yankees oh yeah jumps up and so I, i'm surprised that wasn't as big of a controversy as it is because that you know the players union should be pissed about that because that toys with guys you know stats and and, and you know their compensation uh, and just compete on so on a player level but on a competitive on a competitive level that's nuts to think about so uh major league baseball good job on them kind of sweeping that under the rug because that was a i thought that would could be a bigger deal than it ended up being add it to the list of everything swept under the rug by major league baseball yeah. in their long history yeah oh anyways but yeah we we uh we shut it down i think we shut it down we that was like the quickest immaculate inning we've ever had and we've had 12 Absolutely. immaculate innings so far and um we just <laughs> we blew it by like vintage or oldest chapman style 101 102 103 um but yeah, no, hopefully uh, that was a good, fun banter that we had. And uh, probably going to hopefully have a guest next week. We don't want to say too much yet. I think we want to make it a surprise. Yeah, we, but we've got some, hopefully some fun guests. They're definitely on our radar. So hopefully they can come to fruition. And, you know, so hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll be on with us. So stay in, uh, stay in the loop on who those might be as we're able to announce those. And, you know, like I said, we're what, maybe two or three episodes until we have some active baseball down in Arizona and Florida to talk about. So creeping along almost there. Can't wait. Florida, Arizona means good weather, baseball, healthy battles. We'll have the world baseball classic soon oh, too. Yes. That'll the, be fun. I can't wait for that. Those teams are stacked. Uh, yeah. A lot of the teams. So yeah, I'm sure we'll get into the world baseball classic when uh, we get closer. Cause that is going to be one of the highlights. I think, of the year uh in, in baseball maybe even sports because it's so fun um but yeah no yeah apple podcast spotify go follow the shutdown inning podcast um and follow us on twitter at shutdown underscore inning um and then uh inning and then inning. yeah go go check us all out and um tyler's on twitter at i don't think we've plugged our personal twitters on here before but i'll no, do it not now really uh, yeah, at, I, I'm at that guy Tyler T Y L O R. So at that guy Tyler, and then at Stephen Risotto R I S S O T T O double S double T's, um, like the rice. I get that a lot. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for watching, and have a good and one. that's what's up. Go Niners.